We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today, folks, we're going to talk about a few different topics. As you know, the rundown covers several different things, and so we're going to dive into those today. We're going to talk, obviously, about Notre Dame, and we're going to talk about just kind of continuing to preview, you know, what this team is going to be, what we like about this team, what we don't, you know, some concerns we have. But today, we're going to talk about a little bit more abstract, let's say that, uh, things that we we need to see suppose, as opposed to what we have seen or predicting different things. We're going to talk about what we need to see. And when you look at Notre Dame and you look at who they've been and you look at who they need to be, breaking down what that what they need to do to get there. So we're going to talk about that today. We'll talk offense. We'll talk defense. We'll talk special teams as well. Because obviously, I, I mean, look, as good as their special teams were last year, there are areas where they can certainly get better. And, and we'll talk about that as well, and we'll dive into those statistics as well as we talk about kind of what we need to see from this Notre Dame football team and then why. And, and it's not just about, okay, here's where Bama ranks and here's where Georgia ranks and here's where House State ranks, but it's more looking at it from the standpoint of who does Notre Dame need to be to beat those teams, right? And so I'll, talk, I'll give you just an example of what I mean. I could say, hey, look, Notre Dame's got to be more of a big play offense in the pass game. Okay, well – Ohio State, Michigan, and TCU all ranked in the top 20 last year in the past in, in big plays in the past game. Georgia ranked like 70th. So, but it's so it's not so much about they didn't beat Georgia. It's not so much about this is the ranking profile. And I've done those things before. And I think there are things that you have to do in order to, you know, be a championship caliber team. But it's more so about what does Notre Dame specifically have to be. To, to, in my opinion, to be that championship type of team, and then what are some of the areas they need to do to get there? So we'll dive into that. We'll talk offense, talk defense. I'm going to go over sort of my five bellwether recruits for the Notre Dame offense in the 25 class. We'll also talk about rivals came out with their new rankings today, their new 250, top 250 for the 24 class. Prior to the season starting, I'll go over that a little bit. And then I, I am going to have Ryan in the background today uh, starring some mailbag questions. So we will do a, a, a sort of a, a mini, mini breakdown, I should say, 
uh, mailbag, I should say. Um, we're not going to do like a full long mailbag because I, you know, Notre Dame has practice today, so I'm going to have to leave a little after two o'clock to get to that. But I do want to, you know, since the season's going to start next week and we're not going to have Wednesday mailbags, I did want to have one here on this particular Wednesday so we can get ready for that. So that's the agenda for today. So if you do have some questions, go ahead and get those in. Obviously, Super Chats will get the, the precedence in that short mailbag time. But if you do have some questions now or some come up during the show that you want to ask about, go ahead and throw those in there. And if I actually see one during the show that's relevant to what we're talking about, I may bring it up and address it during the show. So feel free to throw those in there as well. So that's what we're going to talk about today in uh, this week's Midweek Rundown. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So I want to begin on the offensive side of the ball. And I, and I think the reason we're when I think the reason we're going to start with the offense is because this is the area, in my view, that has to make the biggest jump for Notre Dame to be a championship contending team. And the reason I say that is, is not just it's it's partly about the obvious. Notre Dame hasn't been very good on offense in recent years. Last year's Notre Dame offensive team obviously was. I mean, we we all know what it was, right? They finished 41st in scoring, and that was with a team that had multiple defensive touchdowns, multiple special teams touchdowns, several other drives that were set up with really short fields. They had a you know 12-yard scoring drive against Clem touchdown drive against Clemson because of a pick. They had a like a three-yard scoring drive against Syracuse because of a blocked punt. And when you take those out, Notre Dame's scoring offense was an even rougher shape. I mean, you beat Clemson 35-14. You only scored two offensive touchdowns off of somewhat of a lengthy drive. You only scored three total offensive touchdowns. You scored 41 points against Syracuse, but you had a blocked, you had a pick six for a touchdown. You had a blocked punt that set up another touchdown. So you take those four points away, and all of a sudden it's a 27-24 ball game that Syracuse might be in at the end of the game. So the offense clearly has to get better, but it's also about this. It's the offense has to get to the point where it can do one of two things to win a championship, right? It's not just about yards and points and big picture statistics. You got to do one of two things. Number one, you have to be able to get into the postseason and win a shootout. I don't care how good your defense is. I do not care. You have to be able to win a shootout. And if you want proof of that, look no further than the Georgia Bulldogs. Look, last year, folks, Georgia gave up 14 points per game. That's it, 14 points per game. But look what happened in the first round of the playoff. They had to score 42 points to win that game because the other team scored 41, and the other team still had a chance to win the football game 
at the end because of you just look at it. They got into a, a shootout and they were able to get down the field and get in field goal range. They couldn't make it. You know, Georgia got gave up 41 points in the SEC title game in 2021. You look at Georgia's first trip to the playoff. In the first round of that playoff game, they went to overtime against Oklahoma and beat them 54 to 48 in double overtime. You have to be able to score to win a championship. We've we've talked about this, right? You look at the teams that have won national championships, the teams that are winning those games. It's like I tried to have this conversation last year, and people say, well, you know, look, Georgia didn't need a great offense to 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 win the championship because the other team only had seven points. And my response was, well, A, they had to have a great offense to get to the championship game because they needed to score 42 to beat Ohio State. But the point isn't what Georgia needs to do to score. It's what the other teams need to do to beat Georgia. Georgia scored 65 points. So in theory, you could say TCU needed to score 66 to win, right? And so you've got to be able to get into the postseason and score. Look, the 2020 the national championship game, the, the the team that won it all, Alabama, uh, scored, what, 49, 52 points to beat Ohio State. They scored 31 to beat Notre Dame. Uh, in 2019, obviously, LSU was a scoring machine. They scored over 40 uh, to beat to beat Clemson or to beat Ohio State that year. In 2018, Clemson won it all. They scored 44 in the national championship game over Alabama. They scored 30 to beat Notre Dame. So Notre Dame needed to get over 30 points against an elite defense. That leads me into number two. In order to win a championship, it's not just so much about points per game. Everybody's going, well, what should the points per game be? It's it's not necessarily about that because we've talked about this recently. Notre Dame's best point per game total in the last 10 years was the 2019 team. And when you look at that 2019 team, you got to remind yourself, you know, that they scored 36 points per game that year. Uh, that season, Georgia only scored 30.8. So Notre Dame was almost a touchdown better than Georgia was that year. They were 36.8. Georgia was 30.8. But what was the what was the reason? Notre Dame scored 66 against New Mexico. They scored 52 against Bowling Green. They scored 52 against Navy, 45 against a really bad Stanford team, 50 against a bad Boston College team, 38 against a bad Duke team. What they do against every good team they played that year? They struggled to score. They scored 17 points and a win over Georgia. They scored 14 points, or excuse me, a loss over to Georgia. They scored 14 points and a loss to, to, to Michigan. And honestly, if it wasn't for their defense, they might have been in trouble against Virginia. If you remember that game, Notre Dame won 35-20. I believe they were losing at halftime. And it was a, a fumble recovery for a touchdown that, that got them a point. They had another fumble recovery in that game that I believe Myra Tungavaloa Mosa ran back inside the 10-yard line to set up another score. So the numbers aren't necessarily the key. It's can you get into those big moments and score points, enough points to win. So it's not, you know, hey, you need to score 45 points a game. Well, in 2018, Notre Dame just needed 31. That's it. That's all they needed against Clemson. You say, but that's all they needed. The second part is can you score on the best defenses? If you're going to beat Georgia, you've got to be able to score in a big-time defense. If you want to beat Clemson when they're at their peak, you've got to be able to score in a big-time defense. I think Ohio State's defense is going to be a lot better this year, too. You're not just going to go out there and throttle all over them, I don't believe, like like that happened to them last couple years at times. So Notre Dame's going to have to be able to be in that situation. And so how do you get there? Uh, the first area for Notre Dame that they're going to have to get to is just is more consistency in the run game. We, we saw the offense become more effective in the run game last year. Compared to previous seasons, obviously, you look at the, the couple previous campaigns in 2021, Notre Dame only averaged 144 yards per game, uh, 4.1 yards per carry. 
the 2020 season, yes, they had 211.1. They kind of padded that a little bit in the in the uh, the regular season against some. Let's be honest, some bad teams. They only have, have rushed for 44 in the title in the ACC title game and only 139 in the championship game against uh, against Alabama. 2019 only rushed for 179 yards per game. 2018 they were 182 yards per game. But again, there was that lack of consistency. In the, in the game you needed to clinch it, you only ran for 121 against USC, which helped USC be a little bit more competitive in that game. You only ran for 132 against Michigan, so you had to kind of scrape and claw to get that win, and then only 88 in the playoff game against Clemson. So Notre Dame has not been consistently dominant running the ball. Now, it got better last year. There's no doubt it got better last year, especially as you got kind of deeper into Coach Eastan's tenure. You saw Notre Dame go for 287 against North Carolina, 234 against BYU, 246 against Syracuse, 263 against Clemson, 281 against Boston College, 265 against South Carolina. However, even with that in that stretch, you saw some inconsistency. You only ran for 66 against Navy. You ran for 90 against USC. Uh, won, won, won one of those games by three points, and you were lucky to kind of hang on because Navy had all the momentum in the second half and then lost the other game. Now, there are contributing factors beyond just the run game alone as, as leading to those results. But the fact of the matter is, is they need to get better running the football from a consistency standpoint. That does not mean they need to average X number of yards. It does not mean they need to have X number of 200 plus yard games. You can meet all those needs and still not be able to run the ball when it matters. I mean, I think we would all agree that the Notre Dame football team in 2017 was one of the best rushing teams we've seen in a very, very long time. But they couldn't run the ball against Miami. They couldn't run the ball against Georgia. They couldn't run the ball against Stanford. And you lost all three of those football games. That's just the reality of it. And, again, other factors contributed. But a consistent running game is what you need to see from Notre Dame this year. And that's what they're going to have to work towards. So how do you get there? You know, There's a lot of different things that go into it, which we'll dive into a little bit uh, as we get into – uh, sort of a bigger picture thing that factors into this. But obviously Notre Dame is going to have to be a more consistent running team on offense if they're going to be a, a team that has a legitimate chance to not just get through the schedule with a, a record good enough to compete for a championship or to even get in the playoff to compete for a championship, but then once you get there to be able to do some damage. Second thing that I believe Notre Dame has to be better at is that they have to be a more – the pass game needs to be – an efficient and explosive pass attack. Notre Dame was neither of those things last season. And honestly, they haven't really been either of those things very often in recent seasons. When you look at Notre Dame in the pass offense this past season, they ranked 37th in yards per attempt. They ranked 41st in yards per completion. They were only 52nd in, excuse me, yes, in completion percentage. They ranked 39th in, in passing plays of 30 yards or more. But then they dropped all the way down to 117th in passing plays of 40 yards or more. Notre Dame just got very, very, very little production from its pass game last season from a big play standpoint. Again, there's a lot of things that factor into that. But the simple simple truth is, is even in 2021 with Jack Cohn at quarterback, Notre Dame ranked the same 31st in passing yards per attempt or 37th in passing yards per attempt. In the last season of the Ian Book era, they ranked 41st in passing yards per attempt. In uh, 2018 or, or 2019, it would be what? Ian Book's second year as a starter. They ranked 44th in passing yards per attempt. The best Notre Dame team we've seen in recent years was 2018. They ranked 31st. But that 31st 
had the same exact ranking as last year's 37th. The little bit misleading aspect of that 31st in 2018, however, is the fact that there was a quarterback change and that in the quarterback in the first couple games tamped down that yards per attempt average. When you look at what Ian Book did once he was thrust into the starting lineup, he was a much more effective player at that. So Ian Book, as I've said this before, his first year as a starter was much more effective than his second year as a starter and third year as a starter. If you look at Brandon Wimbush that year, he only averaged 7.0 yards per attempt. Ian Book averaged three point or 8.4 yards per attempt. Last year, 8.4, if Notre Dame had that as a team, would have got him to 16th. That's getting them closer to where they need to be. But if you actually look at Ian Book's numbers in the games he started in the regular season, he was closer to 8.9. He only had 4.3 against Vanderbilt, if you remember correctly. Uh, that game, he was not the starter. He came in off the bench as sort of the red zone quarterback. He had three completions for 13 yards and a touchdown because he was just thrown in the red zone. And and so that that was 4.3 average, pulled it down. And then, of course, he was not very good against Clemson. He only averaged 4.7 yards per attempt. But if you look at his yards per attempt numbers in the regular season when he was a starter, it was 9 against Florida State, and then 9.0 against um, – or 7.9 against Syracuse, and then 9.0 against USC – in a game that clinched that. So, so that is more in line with what the number needs to be that shows me it's a more efficient pass attack. That's a big part of it is it's, it's not, yes, big plays are important and I'll get to those, but I'm starting with efficiency for a reason because Notre Dame has to be a team that can be efficient throwing the football. And this leads to point number one, when I talk about consistency in the run game, if you look at Notre Dame running the football, as we, we talked about this, the years they've been really good at it, it's you're running into heavy numbers. You're running into to, to loaded boxes. Your, your offense is an offense that's not efficient throwing the football, an offense that doesn't rank in the top part of the country, the top 30 in the country in, in, in um, uh, pass, or completion percentage. I don't need Notre Dame to rank in the top 10 because I want them to be aggressive. You, it's hard to be aggressive and rank in the top 10 in completion percentage unless you're a pure air raid team that just throws a bunch of screens and RPOs. Uh, so I don't really care as much about the completion percentage being great. It definitely needs to be higher than 52nd, in my opinion. You know, get into that top 30, 35 is, is where I want to be. But I want to see Notre Dame get into that top 10 to 15 in yards per attempt. That's a big thing for me because what that does is that means you're in situations where if you're in second and eight, second and six, you can throw the football and get yourself into really good situations uh, with moving the chains or getting into third and ones. But more importantly, if you're a really efficient pass offense, you're going to be getting into situations where you're going to be throwing the ball more on first down, which A, gets you into more manageable, like really nice second and two, second and one situations uh, where you can continue to run the football. It can also make, it's going to make you a better third down team because you're going to be in more third and, and easier to convert situations. If you're a really efficient offense, it also gives you a chance to convert more of the third medium and third long situations because your pass game is more efficient and more effective in those scenarios. And the more efficient and effective you are with your pass game, the more pressure that takes off of the run game. So how do you get to be a more efficient pass game? I think key number one for me is you need to use the RPO game more effectively. And the RPO game isn't always going to be getting you eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 yards. Sometimes it's just going to get you three or four, 
but that three or four is better than the minus one you're going to have because they've overloaded the box. Or you may only get six or seven, but that six or seven is going to be better than the two or three because you're running into an outnumbered box. And so what it what it does there is it, it, it helps raise the overall efficiency of your offense. But what it also does is if it, the more success you can have outside, so, you know, you get your fours and fives, but get your sevens and eights. And then occasionally you make some guys miss and you, you make guys and you make plays after the catch. Also, a proper RPO game is going to have stuff built in to throw the ball down the field a little bit more. I'm not talking throwing a bunch of uh, kind of bombs and getting the ball over the top. That's part of it. But it's hitting the glance routes, hitting the quick post stuff, you know, maybe hitting some seam cuts, hitting some little pop passes, taking some one on ones outside when, you know, a team wants to go cover one and you're on the far hash and you've got Tobias Merriweather or Rico Flores or Chris Tyree or whoever uh, lined up outside and sort of one on one, whether it be Tobias or Rico outside running some kind of go route. Uh, whether it be running some sort of post-snap switch where you've got Chris Tyree running something vertical uh, on the outside part. You know, those are things that you're going to you're gonna do against some one-on-ones where you ride that RPO action, let those plays develop, and if that guy bites in, you pull that sucker out and you throw it. Or it could just be a situation where it's just a pure read from Sam Hartman pre-snap. Hey, this I'm on the far hash. This safety's over the ball, which means he's over the far hat. He's over the near hash. There's no way he can get over to Tobias Merriweather if I just catch and hit my drop and throw an outside bomb. He did this at Wake Forest all the time. Now, the Notre Dame receivers are going to have to make plays in those situations, but it's something that the Notre Dame offense has to be willing to do this year in run game scenarios and run game situations. If you've got a very low efficiency and a low effectiveness in your pass game, those are going to result in a lot of incompletions, which means you're going to be behind the chains a lot more. They will result naturally in incompletions, but the more of those you hit and the more plays you make in the RPO game, the harder it is for teams to justify keeping their box tight. The, the more you can get teams to kind of spread out a little bit, the more seams you now have in the run game where you can be really effective. So those two things to me counter each other. A more efficient pass game takes pressure off of your run game and makes for a more efficient run game. Having said that, it can't end there. It can't just end with an efficient pass game. If you are just a team that's throwing, and here's the thing, you say RPO for the sake of RPOs doesn't really move the needle for you. It also comes down to scenarios where you've got to be a, a team that can hurt people throwing the football and, and hurt teams with big plays. Yes, you got to do stuff after the catch, but you've also got to scheme your way and make plays in situations where you're ripping off big plays. We talked about this last year. Notre Dame was 117th last season in, in – uh, passing plays that covered 40 yards or more that that's not good right that's not good they were 44th the year before which is also not real good but it's certainly a lot better last year Notre Dame had just four passing plays four passing plays that went for 40 or more yards they only had two passing plays that went for 50 or more yards that's that's not gonna that's not that's not where it needs to be that's not even close to where, where it needs to be as I mentioned, 2021, which still wasn't even really a great big play op, big play offense, they ranked 44th in the total number of big plays created. Even that team was still not where it needs to be, but that team was almost triple what last year's offense was when it comes to the pass game. And what's even more concerning is when you look, when you look at the pass game last season, most of the big plays we talked about came from the running backs. 
You know, I mean, you look at 70, the longest run you had, the longest reception you had last year was a, was from Logan Diggs. You had several long p- p- pass plays from your running backs. Logan, uh, Audric Estime had a 36 yard gain. So you, you look at these scenarios and you're saying, man, you, you had one of your long four, one of your four 40 plus plays last year was from Tobias Murray was only ball he caught last year. So you're in situations where you're not even really throwing the ball down the field to get some of those big plays. That's okay, but you also have to be able to really attack a team over the top. And that's just something that Notre Dame, honestly, w- was not able to do last year and, and really didn't do a whole lot the year before, which is partly why they averaged 41st in yards per catch last year because they're not a team that necessarily scares anybody. And when you don't scare teams down the field, guess what? They're going to keep loading the box, and especially the good teams. I mean, you're going to get to the playoff this year, and I don't care what your pass game says. If your run game is what we hope it's going to be, Georgia and Bama, Clemson, Ohio State, uh, Oklahoma, Texas, whoever you're going to play. Oklahoma, I can't believe you said Oklahoma. They're not going to be in the playoff this year. Texas, Washington, whoever, they're going to look at Notre Dame, and they're still going to say, we got to stop the run. we got to stop the run. we got to make them beat us throwing the football. That's just what they're going to do. And it's going to make running the football a little bit harder. Now, if you can come out and hit some of those big plays, it takes a little bit of pressure off. If you think of back to the Notre Dame-Clemson game in 2018, one of the biggest changes in that game was we say, well, when Julian Love went down. But what happened when Julian Love went down? Clemson started hitting the ball down the field. They beat Dante Vaughn on an outside goal route for a touchdown. They hit a seam throw for a big play to Hunter Renfro because Dante Vaughn didn't close down. Uh, on that scene throw. Those are two plays that they hit, and all of a sudden it just breaks the game wide open, and now all of a sudden Notre Dame is is behind the eight ball against a really good defense. And and when Notre Dame was shutting Clemson down, what were they taking away? They were able to get on the perimeter and take away the big throws in the pass game, and then they were able to then use the box to, to be effective and, and slow down the run game, and it kept them in that football game. But the minute Clemson started hitting some big plays, all of a sudden Notre Dame had to get out of their game. And once they got out of their game, that's when Clemson kind of poured it on in the second half and put that game away with a long run and just, you know, moving the chains and, and really racking up the yards in that game, which made the stat line look far worse than the actual game was. And so you've got to be able to get down the field. And and so what that means with Coach um, Coach Parker is, is he's got to do things also to create that. And that leads me into my third point of for the Notre Dame offense. If you're stressed about buying tickets or doing some last-minute ticket hunting to college football games, concerts, comedy shows, your favorite activities, Game Time is the place for you. They take the stress out of buying tickets. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theaters near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball games, concerts, comedy shows, theaters, and more. The Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section or and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. 
Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code IRISH for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code IRISH for $20 off. Download the GameTime app today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. That's GameTime.co. The Notre Dame offense has to be a more diverse group this season. What does that mean? Okay, diversity from a football standpoint means mixing up your personnel more. Last year, they were a very heavy 12-13 slash 11 personnel team. Very rarely went two backs. Uh, They're 11 personnel. They kind of had the same guys in the same spots most times. You kind of had an idea personnel-wise what Notre Dame was going to do. Another part of being diverse is being a team, in my opinion, the way Notre Dame needs to be. Now, this isn't true for every team. Some teams, they're going to go tempo and do all those kind of things. I don't. That's not who Notre Dame is. That's not who I'm asking Notre Dame to be. So if you're not going to be a tempo team, then you need to be a very diverse team as far as what you do pre-snap. And when you get into the pre-snap stuff and motions and shifts and, and different alignments and things like that, I thought at times last year, Tommy Reese was excellent when it came to using motions and shifts in the run game. If you wanted, if you're a high school football coach that wants to run the football and, and you're a bit more traditional in how you like to run, go watch Notre Dame's game against Clemson last year. It is a master class in using formations and personnel to create extra gaps and leverage advantages in the run game. The problem was we didn't see that consistently enough. And so some weeks we would see this master class and other weeks we didn't see that. But what we did not also see is we did not see that same type of stuff used in the past game for a number of reasons, personnel-wise, quarter, you know, on the perimeter, personnel-wise, a quarterback, uh, those type of things. And so what Coach Parker is going to have to do this year is, from a personnel standpoint, be more diverse. And that means forcing the defense to put different guys in the field because most teams, even some of the better teams, are going to not be as good when you can get them out of their base looks against you. If you can get Georgia into a nickel look and get one less big boy on the field, that plays to your advantage, in my opinion, when it comes to being able to run the football. Same thing is true against Clemson. Same thing is true against Alabama. Uh, so when you can do those type of things, it's going to help you be more a more effective running team if you can force them to be in those situations because your personnel allows you to spread the field more. I think that's going to be something that we're going to be willing to do. And when you do go 11 personnel, be willing to kind of mix up how you run 11 personnel. A lot of times last year, we would see a lot of bunch stuff out of 12 and 13. We didn't see as much bunch out of 11. Uh, you know, be willing to not only bunch it tight, but bunch it wide. You know, f- really force them to spread out. If they're not willing to really take that overhang player or that, or that, or that, or that curl or the flat player and really work him out then you've got some advantages. We saw Tennessee destroy Alabama with this, where they'd go really wide. Bama wouldn't get enough width, and they would just attack them vertically with post-snap switches up the seams and and getting them outside that sort of that seam curl flat zone, and Bama just wasn't adjusting to it well enough. I'm not saying you need to emulate Tennessee, but the point that you could, there are things you can implement from that, which is the wider you spread them, but still willing to actually get the ball out to the perimeter then you force teams to to get wider or to change the personnel. They may take out a linebacker and put a rangier player out there. They may take out their nickel, who's more of a safety, and put more of a corner player out there. That now opens up opportunities for you in the run game. So I think there's a lot of things personnel-wise that they can do. And then schematic diversity. I think that's especially going to be true. And, and what that means is, you know, don't just be great at duo. 
be be really good at duo and inside zone and outside zone and counter and toss and all jet sweeps and just throw more teams at throw more at teams. I think a lot of times you have to have a couple runs that you can hang your hat on. So I'm not talking about being the jack of all trades, master of none run, running team. I'm not saying that. You have to have some stuff that it's third and one. We know that these guys can go out there and execute that, and we can get this. We can get this yard against anybody. You, you need to kind of have that element to be a, a great team at Notre Dame. But the other part of it comes down to this: is you have to be willing to say, "Hey, we need to be really good at those two or three things, but we also need to have this stuff to to support." our master stuff. We need to be able to, one of the things we would complain about last year was, you know, man, Notre Dame got really good at running duo, but against some of the better teams, they, they just, they, they had a plan for it. And when it didn't work, they didn't have anything to turn to. And so it just, it, the offense would stall. There were times last year where the offense started to stall and they would then go outside and then rip off a big run. And so I, I believe if we see more just, Mixing things up a little bit, keeping teams honest. I mean, when you watched the great 2017 run game, their base run play was the inside zone. I mean, that was their baby. That was the, when we need a play, when we need a yard, we're going to run the inside zone. But that team also ran outside zone. That team ran counter uh, with a, it was a, sort of a, a not a, a counter trade, just more of a, a true counter. We're not a, the modern counter, I should say, a true counter is the counter tray, but more a modern counter, which is the guard kicks out the tight end wraps. They did some of that stuff. Every now and then, Notre Dame would run a counter tray, which is the guard and the tackle would would wrap around, and the tight end would seal the backside. We saw a little bit of that. We saw a G scheme, uh, which is a pin and pull, con- so sort of an off tackle from pistol type of downhill concept. We saw them run buck sweep. Uh, from that look as well, uh, under center and toss, or I mean, excuse me, uh, from shotgun and from a toss look. If you remember one of the long runs, Josh Adams it ran it to the right. It was a 50 yard, I think 59 yard touchdown against Miami, Ohio, tossed it right, made a couple guys miss, but it was off of a buck sweep because it got him in space. And so it was a little easier for him to make guys miss in space. He wasn't a real shifty guy, you know, between the tackles. They had a 74, I think 72 or 74 yard touchdown run. Uh, going on your TV right to left, but it was to the left side of the line uh, against North Carolina that season where they got outside and ripped off a big play. So we saw, I believe, Josh Adams, the longest run he had against Georgia, against Michigan State in 2017, I believe, was a G scheme where he ripped off that play. See, now I'm going to have to look it up. But the point is, is even though inside zone was your bread and butter, and they certainly had plenty of big runs, on the inside zone, I mean, the 80-yard the touchdown pass or a run against USC was off inside zone. I believe the the 80-yard uh, touchdown against NC State was on inside zone. But they did so many other things that allowed them to to sort of counter that and balance that and protect that, that you were still able to be effective. They ran quarterback draw effectively that year. If you remember uh, the first touchdown against Michigan State, and again, I'm using Michigan State as an example because that year Michigan State had the number two uh, rushing defense in the country, but they ran a, you know, sort of an, it was an RPO, but you're, you're running quick stuff to the outside or you're running a quarterback draw and Brandon Wimbush hit it big. And so when you look at those things, you say, Hey, you had enough to balance out your baby, your bread and butter to where you could keep teams honest. And that allowed you to rip off your big run. So even though teams knew inside zone was your baby, you could still rip off big runs, not because a, you had a great offensive line, but number two, 
because you were an offense that could go out there and say, hey, if you're going to overplay inside zone, we have things to counter that to really hurt you. And, and that's what made Notre Dame so effective uh, that season when it came to being able to run the football and effective run of football. Yeah, I'm watch, watching the Michigan State highlights now. They just ran a toss uh, to set up a run. Uh, or, I mean, to set up a touchdown in that game. I'm still trying to get to the, the long touchdown to um, – or the long run to Josh, to Josh Adams in that game. And I, I, like I said, I believe it was a G scheme. But the point is, is they had some really nice counters. Here's that run right now. Yeah, it's a G scheme. You had the, uh, Quentin Nelson kicked out. You had a great backside block from Tommy Kramer and Josh Adams cut it back for a big play. So, you know, Michigan State's playing for one thing. Notre Dame comes out with something different to counter it. I just I think we need to see more of that diversity in the run game this year. I think it's also true in the pass game. I, what I want to see Notre Dame be better at this year, and again, I, I understand why we didn't see it as much last year. We did see it at times in 2021. But what I want to see Notre Dame do a little better job this year is at least six or seven times a game, use your formations and your motions and your shifts to really get into a, and then use your post-snap play call uh, to isolate a guy and to create sort of a big play opportunity. You you don't really need to do it more than five or six times a game. You're still going to get some big play opportunities that just come up anyway. But I want to see some times in games, maybe five or six is on the high end, but you need to have the ability to go out there and say, hey, we know in this situation, in second and two, that we're going to get this. If we line up in this motion and or this formation, and we do this kind of motion, when run this concept, we think we can get so-and-so free for a big play. We didn't see a ton of that last year. Uh, we A little bit early, and then they went away from it. I want to see more of that this year, where you're looking to design big plays in the pass game. Look, big plays in the pass game are going to come from just a natural uh, flow of the game if, you're, if you've got the right quarterback and the, and the receivers are making plays. You're going to get in a situation where – like I said earlier, there's a cover one, you take your shot, you run a double post, the safety makes the wrong read, you bang one over top. There's going to be things like that. But what I'm referring to is where you've really scouted a team out and you're saying every week we're going to look for opportunities to where and when we get in certain situations on the field, uh, down in distance, out of cert- we know that if we go 12 personnel against this team that they're going to sub this way. And if they sub this way, we can line up like this and get a one-on-one where if we run a clear out here, we've got a chance to have you know this guy beat that guy for a big play opportunity. And it's not really a read for your quarterback. It's just, hey, this is the shot you're taking. And I, you need to do that. You've got to be able to do that. Steve Sarkeesian, I thought, was a master of this in 2020 with Devontae Smith because he would move Devontae Smith all over the field. And there were certain coverages he knew that in certain situations, he could get you in a one-on-one against Devontae Smith, no matter how hard you tried, because he would just put Devontae as like the number three guy inside in a three-by-one on third and two or second and four, where you were going to line up like this, and then he could run, you know, he'd run like a post backside and then like just run that clear route with Devontae Smith on the backside, run like a little back check down or something to occupy that backer, and then he'd just get get Devontae in a chase. Nobody's going to cover Devontae Smith in that concept. How can you get Devontae Smith wide open in a one-on-one? Great personnel, great knowledge of what the t- the tendencies of the defense, number one. So you need a really good advanced scouting situation. Number two, being diverse with how you line up, not just putting Devontae Smith in one or two positions the whole game, but knowing in this situation, you're not going to do it a ton, but in this situation, we can get this player here 
knowing that we're going to be able to run this route concept to get him in a one-on-one. Those are things that I want to see Notre Dame do more of this year. It's not doing it 9, 10, 11 times a game. You know, I said five or six. It could be three or four. Uh, but you just need to have those situations. And if you hit a couple of them, that's the thing is if you run four of them and you go 50 for 50-50 on those two plays, that's two pass games that you've schematically generated to create big play opportunities that are going to give you a chance to then get easy yards, but then also take some of that pressure off the defense. Because if Notre Dame can add explosiveness to their pass game, it's going to make their run game really hard to stop. That's really the big key is if you have to be weary of them being a big play offense. So you've got to do one of two things defensively. Number one, we're going to play you more balanced. And that plays into what Notre Dame wants to do running the football and getting the ball the perimeter. So we're going to play you more balanced or, hey, we're just going to take our shots, try to heat Notre Dame up a little bit. So that way, yeah, we know that there's some one some one on ones on the outside. But if we heat this guy up, we don't think he can get that ball off in time to really hurt us. They're going to have, and then, hey, you can still run at that, depending on the down and distance. And number two is that's going to then create more big play opportunities for you, and it puts teams at risk if your receivers can step up. So those are things that I that we need to see from Notre Dame, more consistency in the run game, more efficiency plus explosiveness in the pass game. And then the way to do that is with a more diverse team, a more diverse way of going about attacking teams schematically, personnel, and formationally. If we see that, I think this offense has a chance to get up. And I mean, then, and, and like, there's other things we could talk about, right? Like, you know, hey, we need to see Notre Dame, you know, be re- better in the red zone or whatever the case may be. And, and some years, Notre Dame has been pretty good in the, in the red zone. Other years, not, not as good in the red zone. Last year, they were 51st in, in total red zone production, but they were 19th and third down, or I mean, in a red zone touchdown percentage. Yeah, but then you look at the offense and and they ranked, what was it, around like 54th in red zone opportunities. Uh, You can get into third down. Last year, last couple years, really, Notre Dame was a pretty decent third down offense. Last year, they were 13th in in third down. Uh, In years prior, they've been kind of a little bit up and down. They're 46th in 2021. In 2020, they were 7th. So it's been a little inconsistent. But to me, those areas are more byproducts of these other things, right? If you're really good in the run game, if you're really efficient and explosive in the pass game, that's going to lead to being a a better scoring team because you're going to get more red zone opportunities. You're going to be more effective in the red zone when you get there. You're going to be better on third down because you're going to get more good third down opportunities. There's just a lot of things that it leads to. A lot of the statistics that people look to and they point say, well, you got to be good here to, to be whatever. Those are byproducts of something else. What makes you good at those things? And those are the aspects that I try to look at a little bit today when you when you talk about what the Notre Dame offense needs to do and what it needs to be. Uh, what does it look like from a number standpoint? I, I would say one thing we need to kind of go away from this season until we have better data is, well, first of all, yards per game it can be an overrated statistic, in my opinion. There's a lot of things that factor into that. I've I pointed out one year in my coaching career, and when I was at Muhlenberg, we averaged over 40 points per game in the regular season. Actually, we averaged over 40 points per game until the second round of the playoff. Uh, that dropped, we scored, I think, 10 that game. That dropped us right below, a little below 40. But we only averaged like 350 yards per game that year. Like, that's a crazy low number for a team that averaged 40 points per game. Well, the reason why is our average starting field position that year was like the 48-yard line because of our special teams and defense. We had a lot of turnovers. We had blocked punts against short fields. We had two or three different special teams touchdowns. 
So yards can be a little bit overrated. In my opinion, what I care more about and what we're going to focus more on this year is, is an efficiency aspect of it. And I care more about the efficiency of your run game. Ohio State last year wasn't a typical great Ohio State running team, but they still averaged 5.4 yards per carry. Uh, Georgia last year averaged 5.5 yards per carry. Michigan was a 5.6 yards per carry. Notre Dame was about 4.7 last season. They were at 4.6 last season. So I want to see that get above 5.0. That's where I want to see Notre Dame be. I'd rather than be closer to 5.2 or above. That gets you in the top 20. Uh, anything above 5.2 is going to be is going to be excellent. And of course, you'd really like to see what they were in 2017, where they got to 6.3. Uh, that would be great. And if Notre Dame gets to that, they're going to be a really really good running team in uh, a really dangerous running team. But anything above 5.2 is pretty good. Anything 5.5 or better is outstanding. And, and that's what I care more about. When you look at yards per attempt last season, you know, Notre Dame was at eight. That ranked them 37th. If they can get to around 8.5, that gets them in the top 15. That's much more close to where you want to be. If they get to about 8.8, eight, 8.9, eight, eight, that gets you to the top 10. And that's really good and makes you really dangerous. So the closer you can get to those kind of numbers in both phases, the better you're going to be. Because as I pointed out earlier, you know, Notre Dame's 2017 offense ranked third in college football that year in yards per attempt at 6.3. Well, the problem was is that the offense ranked 97th in yards per attempt at 6.6. Notre Dame averaged almost as many yards per attempt running the football in 2017 as they did throwing the football. So yeah, it was great here in this side, but because this side wasn't any good, it really hurt you in the bigger games. It hurt you against Georgia. It hurt you against Miami. Uh, and so those are the things that you've got to really uh, look at is it's it's you want to get into that top 15 to 20 in both categories and the closer you get to the top t- 10 in both categories the more dangerous your offense is going to be to me those numbers will then lead to all the other things we talk about more yards more scoring being able to control the clock better on third down better in the red zone if those yard per attempt numbers by season's end are more in those areas and especially in the big games can be any in those areas, then your offense is going to be really dangerous and your offense is going to be really hard to beat. And, and that's where, you know, like I said, that's where Notre Dame needs to be this season. If they're going to be that kind of team that can go out there and, and make the kind of run that we're all hoping they can make, this is what they have to be on offense. And, and when they do that, they'll have a chance to be really, really dangerous.